Welcome to Expert Opinion, the branding business forum where leaders share their views, insights, and experiences from the world of B2B branding. And now, here's your host. Welcome to Expert Opinion. I'm Ryan Rikus, and today's show takes a look into how customer service can become your company's greatest competitive advantage. Today's guest is John DeJulius, international consultant, best-selling author of three customer service books. His latest book, The Customer Service Revolution, instantly hit number one on Amazon. John works with many world-class companies like the Ritz-Carlton, Lexus, Starbucks, Nordstrom's, and PwC. I heard John speak at a conference recently and was real impressed with his message on how companies can use customer service to become the brand people cannot live without. John, welcome to Expert Opinion. Thank you, Ryan. Pleasure to be here. Excited. Good. Hey, I was listening to your recent presentation, and I realized how many parallels we have in the way we advise our clients. For example, when we're rebranding a company and ask the client's executive team what they view as their competitive advantage, often we hear the answer, our people and our service. But yet, when we do the customer research, that isn't always the way they see it. You, you cited research that, that said that I believe 80% of companies believe they deliver world-class service, but only 8% of the customers feel that way. Why such a disparity? Well, great. that's exactly right. Bain and company did that research asking 300 senior-level uh, people from 300 different companies uh, if they felt that their companies provided superior customer service. And 80% of those 300 companies uh, felt that they did. Uh, what they didn't know is 3,000 of their customers were being surveyed, and only 8% of them did. So uh, it's, it's, it's shocking. It's alarming. And, you know, the, 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 there's many reasons why, but the biggest reason is that in almost every business we work with, the uh, uh, service provider who's interacting with the customer is not the customer. Um, demographically, economically, whatever it may be, they're just not the customer or they haven't been in such a long time. And so it's really hard to understand, you know, the plight of the customer, why that this is, uh, you know, uh, such a, a pain point to them, why they are need this so bad. And, and, and so, you know, that, that's the whole key. We have to put ourselves and all our employees constantly in the shoes of the customer, well, and that's not easy to always do, right? Because um, a culture is already established in companies. Unless they have that culture, it needs to, uh, you know, change, and it needs to start at the top. I imagine, right? So, yeah. How, how do you how do you go about doing that if you're a leader? Service aptitude starts at the top, and uh, if you look at every world class customer service company um, that you know we all know, and it might be Virgin Airlines or Walt Disney or Starbucks, Chick Fil A, Zappos. Um, Amazon, you can, you can never find an article or watch a video where Tony Shea, Howard Schultz, Dan Cathy, Walt Disney, uh, Jeff Bezos doesn't bring it back to how it affects the customer experience. They're obsessed with the customer experience. And so, you know, the first thing we need is executive sponsorship. And executive sponsorship, it doesn't mean writing a check and, you know, having you know a presentation you know when they don't like comp sales or satisfaction scores it means that you know it never goes away there's no ribbon cutting ceremony to be in world class you never arrive 
you just got to be better than you were last year. And, uh, you know, it has to be something that every decision is made based on how it will impact the customer experience. So what you're saying is never, never concludes. It's never, you never reach a journey that, uh, where you finally say, we've made it. You, it's, it's a constant journey of improvement and, and attention to the customer, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it, Ryan, when's the last time you, you worked out? This morning. Right. So are you done? No. I mean, are you good for a year? No. Right? It, it, it is exactly that. It, it, you'll, you'll have attrition, and, uh, you know, it, it's something that you have to constantly, constantly be working on. And, you know, the, the biggest uh, trend in corporate America is the fastest-growing C-suite position is the CXO, Chief Experience Officer, or the Chief Customer Officer, the CCO, because businesses are finally realizing that, you know, the, the big, big pieces of any business – Right, large or small, is sales, marketing, operations, um, you know, uh, IT, and you know, accounting, and your customer experience. And if you think about the the first four or five I mentioned, you know, the bigger companies, medium to larger, have a head of, have a CFO, have a chief operations officer, has a vice president of sales and, and marketing, and they all have degrees. They all came from well. Typically, most businesses didn't have a head of customer experience. And I'm not talking about the call center manager. I'm talking about the person, you know, in charge of every aspect of customer experience. And, and the, the, the second problem is, if you want one, where are you getting them from? Uh, you know, I don't even know of a class in college that offers a customer service class, let alone a degree or a major. Well, let's talk about how you bring that into a company. For example, firms like ours, Brand Strategy, we help uh, a client create their promise of distinction or their brand promise and that's mostly about their competitive advantage and what differentiates them from the competition right but actually it's the up to the employees to deliver upon that promise and certainly we take them through the training on how to deliver the that a brand promise but i think what you're talking about you go far and much deeper than that so maybe you can give us some best practices how you do embed this concept of uh this stellar level of service into a culture Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, that, that brand promise, as you know, um, creating it while it's hard and it has to be measurable and accountable is the easiest part, right? The, the, the next part is now selling it to everyone in that company and, and then being able to measure it. So, you know, the brand promise, mission, service, vision, that, that we're going to win the Super Bowl and, and, and how we're going to win it, what's going to be our... our style of offense or, or whatever that may be. But now we have to get deeper in creating the non-negotiable. So the first place we start is a day in the life. All our consulting clients have a day in the life of a customer video that every new employee has to share. And when you watch it, it's two to three minutes and it, it takes you on a roller coaster of why that uh, accounting rep that you know, you're calling on, how you treat him and how you come to the rescue for him is so critical in his day. So you do have empathy say, man, this person really needs me to, you know, be present and to do my job well. Creating that customer service vision, which I think your 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 company uh, um, already helps them with, so everyone can measure their actions to that. And a customer service vision statement is is more what you have to do every time in in the moment. You got to create your non-negotiable standards that you know you can promise anyone that there's certain things we would never do and always do. Um, low-hanging fruits. Um, I call it the, the, the burden of the brand. 
you know, when you're dealing with, you know, these exceptional companies, there's certain things you know they'd never do and they'd always do given the situation. So there's, we have 10 commandments. Um, and that's why, obviously, there's no uh, ribbon. You're never done. You're always working on them, improving them. But it's from service recovery, you know, to creating above and beyond. But, but the biggest part is having, you know, uh, a, a culture that everyone's on the same page um, and non-negotiable standards that, you know, no matter who you deal with, your experience is dependent on getting the right person or that the owner, general manager, CEO is on site that day, and if he's on vacation tomorrow, you know, it, it totally changes the experience we receive. So once you develop these different components, like the day in the life or the customer service vision, how do you go about um, training and, and making sure this is now embedded throughout the entire organization, top to bottom? Julius Group's entire philosophy is foundation service aptitude and how good one company's level of customer service versus anyone else, it really comes down to one thing and one thing only, the service aptitude from their CEO to the warehouse person to the candidate that's interviewing that, you know, could be starting next week or next month. And, you know, truth is that none of us have high service aptitude and we won't find enough employees to hire that have high service aptitude. Me and you, Ryan, when we graduated from our schooling and entered the work world, didn't have high service aptitude. Service aptitude gets dictated from three places. The first, previous life experiences. Most of us don't grow up driving Mercedes-Benz when we turn 16, staying at five-star resorts and flying first class. Yet, you know, most businesses think it's common sense and expect their frontline employees to deliver world-class and treat customers they, the way they want to be treated. And that's a huge mistake. I don't want my frontline employees treating our clients, our guests, the way they want to be treated, right? Because they don't know what world-class is up till now. The second place service aptitude gets shaped is previous work experiences. Everyone's worked somewhere else. Every, every employee we have has worked somewhere else, and our new future generation of employees have worked somewhere else. And if they're not, you know, working for one of the 3% world-class customer service companies, they, you know, have been trained not the way, you know, we want them. And that's okay. Right? We're not going to only hire people from Nordstrom's and, and, and the Ritz-Carlton's of the world. So we can't control those first two places, but we can control the third place, and that's current work experiences. And so everyone listening has to do an acid test. The acid test is, if you hired me tomorrow to be in any customer-facing position, on the phones, you know, face-to-face, -face, whatever it may be, how much training would you give me before you're allowed, I'm allowed to interact with one of your customers? Hopefully it's, you know, a few weeks to a few months, whatever that may look like. Now, of that training, here's where the test comes in. What percentage of it is technical product knowledge, how you process an order, how you make a sale, versus what percentage is, you know, building a relationship, service recovery, the non-negotiables, understanding how the service vision applies to my life. And in the vast, vast majority, it's, it's 98 to 100% the hard skill. So... We have to look at soft skill like we'd look at any technical job. We wouldn't let a pilot fly without training and licensing. We wouldn't let a CPA and a, and a person work on anyone's books without, you know, having a degree and license. We should never let any of our employees come in contact with our, our, our customers without proper certification of what our experience looks like. And that means they've got to be certified and tested. Um, it doesn't have to be to the degree the hard skill is, but it has to be certified so we have a consistent uh, level from anyone we, we work with. 
So there's a clear training program, uh, clear uh, expectations identified. You mentioned the um, always and never. And uh, I remember in your in your presentation, you spoke a little bit about the idea of replacing the word policy with guidelines. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Absolutely, every one of us have have uh, you know probably used the word policy in meetings and training. Policy is a dangerous word. Policy sometimes has extenuating circumstances, and I've had where I couldn't believe what a customer would call and tell me we we did or didn't allow them to do. And then I'd call the employee and say, you know, why, you know, based on what happened, why would you make her do this or not allow her to do that? And the employee would say, because, John, our policy is blank. And then my frustration went from, you know, being on how the employee handled it to myself. Because if we tell employees the policy is, employee will never break policy. It's black and white. And so now we change that to guidelines. And I, I want my employees to use their best judgment. And no, no, no customer wants to hear the word policy. If you think about, you know, you telling me, John, we can or cannot do that because of our policy. That is the, the most unpersonalized thing you could say to me, and we all want to provide personalized service. And I think I'm a special customer to you. So it doesn't mean everything's a yes, but it means that, you know, I just don't want to hear the word policy. Policy was something you made up in a, in a, in a uh, meeting room to protect you from the masses, and I'm not the masses. I'm, I'm, you know, one of your best customers. So I think. So policy is a very dangerous word. Guideline works a lot better. And I'm okay with an employee. I want my employees to be naive instead of paranoid. And I always say that they'll never get in trouble for something they do. They can only get in trouble for something they don't do. Good concept. Well, tell me a little bit about the customer service vision statement or, you know, kind of a credo, I guess, is what you're talking about. Can you describe that a little bit more for us? Yeah, and Ryan, I'd love your feedback because I do believe on the, on the scale of missions and purposes and all that, you know, you're more of an expert than me. You don't get involved in the mission and, and purpose. That's, you know, we're, we're only the customer service. But how I look at the, the mission is who we want to be. Right, and so you know, I work with a bank that says they want to be the most well-respected financial institution, number one place to work. Blah blah blah. Great, that's who we want to be, and that's you know what we're going to build our our company around. The core values, all that. But a mission statement is is big. It's aspirational, but it's not something that helps me, the teller, right, that's working at that bank or the loan officer, how to interact. So to me, that the mission statement is 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 the who we want to be. The purpose is why we want to, you know, be. We want to change the world and make life better for the industry and blah, blah, blah. And then the customer service vision statement is where we get involved. And that is the micro of what Ryan, my frontline employee, my account executive, my teller, whatever, what he is responsible for doing every time. So it has to be four things. Realistic, it has to be, well, realistic, but the, the four things have to be measurable, right, uh, 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 actionable, observable and trainable. I, I, I can watch Ryan interact with a, with a client, guest, customer, whatever we may call them, in 30 seconds, 5 minutes, 45 minutes, email, uh, respond in an email or t- you know, handle a phone call and say yes or no. So you know, it, it's about owning the moment. And then there's always three pillars that go with a customer service vision. So this customer service vision statement is what every employee has to do every time. So it's small. It's not, it's not aspiration. It's not huge. And then the three pillars is how they do it, um, how they own the moment, right, how they provide a, a unique, memorable, positive experience. 
and then the three pillars are have, have one of the pillar you, uh, has to do with you know your expertise that you're smart at what you do and you'll give them the the, the right you know you're accurate you know you're efficient you know all that uh, professional the second pillar has to do with how you treat me right I, I don't just want a brilliant you know whatever that's a doctor or a lawyer who is not about the relationship so we want someone who treats me like a human being knows who I am and you know what's going on in my life and how that may apply to my life or my job so the, the second part is kind of about hospitality. And the third pillar is, is above and beyond component, that you look for the opportunity when it presents itself. You know, I'm getting married this weekend. I'm picking my son up from graduation at college. Mother-in-law passed away, right? It's not going to happen to everyone, but when you come across a client having those situations, you can act on them, from sending the card to flowers to, you know, just following up with a phone call. So we're not so transaction-focused and missing the stuff that could easily create emotional capital with our clientele. I'm sure all our listeners get been to a Starbucks. Um, the next time they go into a Starbucks anywhere in the world, um, any country, any location, they're all wearing the green apron. Just ask one of uh, the uh, uh, baristas to turn over the inside of their green apron, and on the top inside is their customer service vision statement. I won't tell you what it is. You can go find out. The reason why it's on the top inside is while a mission statement and a purpose statement are there for the company and to advertise on your website, which is great, the customer service vision statement is not for customers to find out. It's only to be advertised to the employees to get them to do it. And if you're really doing it well, the customers say, hey, and the way they talk about their experience hopefully is, is very close to what the customer service vision statement is. So every Starbucks employee, we, you know, we, we, uh, we help them create their customer service vision statement. So there's an example for your, your listeners to uh, see what one is. Yeah, our definition of purpose and vision is similar. Our purpose is why we exist, that emotional connection. The vision is what we aim to achieve, and the, and the mission is how we're going to achieve it. So we help our clients develop those, and then I can see now where you can build upon that and take that destination and how we're going to accomplish it and bring it down into an individual company, an individual department, to downtown the individual themselves. So who is responsible for the training of all this? You mentioned this new um, executive, customer service uh, executive. Yeah, C- the CXO or CCO, uh, yeah. but I don't expect everyone to run out tomorrow and hire a CCO or a CXO. It's got to start somewhere, right? right. And, and smaller companies... Every company, I don't care if it's a Fortune 500, 100, or a, a, a mom and pop, we need someone losing sleep at night over the customer. When you're small, it's probably the, the owner wearing multiple hats. As you get bigger, right, you probably can't, bigger meaning still small to medium, you probably can't justify a dedicated position to this, but it might be the HR or a chief marketing officer sharing this role that is constantly at the table with the senior leadership saying, hold on that promotion, that laying off, acquiring, acquisition, how is that going to affect our customer experience? And then ideally, when you get to a size, it could be someone dedicated that you bring in. Again, it it might be the HR person when we're smaller that's making sure that everyone's getting trained, certified, and audited on what our customer experience is, that they know the service vision, the pillars, the nevers and always. What we often hear out in the, the marketplace is why a company may not be able to grow is um, often they say price. We're, we're too expensive. We're losing business on price. 
And yet, uh, I remember you were speaking a lot about how to make price irrelevant through customer service. That rarely is it the price, actually, that doesn't allow the business to go through. But it rather is the perception about the company, right? Because perceptions matter. Perceptions about how you're going to be treated and how you're going to be served. Can you speak a little bit about that concept? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's our thing. The DeJulius Group helps our clients make price irrelevant. Now, does that mean that you can double your prices tomorrow and not lose a customer? No. You probably can't even raise them 20% and not lose existing or potential customers. What making price irrelevant does mean is based on the experience that your company, your staff, your team consistently delivers, your customers have no idea what your competition charges. So, you know, Ryan, me, you, and everyone listening, we're all price sensitive, right? I don't care how much money you make. We're price sensitive. If you've been like me, you, you know, you've made the mistake of driving three extra miles trying to save, you know, 50 cents on something, not realizing I just lost in the exchange. But every single person listening as a consumer has one or two businesses. Maybe they're tailor, right, dry cleaner, hair salon, handyman, whomever that we're so loyal to because of what they've done that, you know, whoever yours is, Ryan, and I asked you and you tell me about them, you tell me all these stories. I said, well, great. How much does he charge per hour or uh, per whatever they're doing for you? And chances you might not know, right? And you don't know how he or she stacks up to their competition because you don't care. That's just not, now, there's other things you care about, right? But, but that's just not one of them. So that's where I want to live. Right? I, I want to live and I want my clients to live on where you're just bragging about my company, you know, our services, and how they impacted you personally, and, you know, depending on B2B, B2C, your, your business. And then when someone says, well, how much does that company charge you per month, per year? And you're like, I, I'd have to go ask, you know, my account's payable. I'd have to look at it, you know, I really don't know. But whatever it is, it's well worth it. So... You know, that's making price irrelevant, that, that you just give them so much value. And, and I have a, a, an oxymoron that I tell people is how I want my two companies to think, every employee, and the companies I consult with their employees to think, is I actually do believe in price match guarantee. Well, what does that mean? If I'm talking about making price irrelevant, how could I possibly believe in price match guarantee? So this is why I want everyone... That, that I work with to think, not necessarily say to their customers. But, Ryan, we are the ultimate experience provider in what we do. In fact, if you can find it higher price somewhere else, we will raise our prices and match it. <laughs> right? So that's what I mean by the uh, you know, price match guarantee. We'll go the opposite way. How dare anyone sell it for more than we do? And if you, if you really have that state of mind, you have to back it up. So whether it was customer service consulting, and you said, John, I just uh, you know found out that you know ABC charges more for customer service consulting than the DeJulius Group. That would freak me out. I would be like, what are they doing, expertise-wise, experience-wise, whatever it may be, that they could charge more than us? How dare that happen? And we better find out and 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 raise our game and get our prices you know you know above there. The biggest thing I see in, in, when I work with companies is we'll go and, and we'll role play with staff, and I hope everyone on this that's listening to this podcast will do this. And you go up to a, an employee and say, hey, I want to role play with you. And uh, Ryan, you're our account executive, and I'm a potential customer. And I say, hey, during your, your sales pitch to me, I say, hey, Ryan, I can get it from your nearest competitor for 20% off. How are you going to answer that? And too many times the employees shrink. 
Mm-hmm. And they start saying, well, we're going to throw this in, and we're going to throw this in, and we're going to do this. No. I mean, if you went to a Rich carlton and said, how much are your rooms? And they say 389 a night. You wouldn't say, well, I could go to the Red Roof Inn right down the street for $69 a night. You know, the Rich carlton would laugh at you, right? Make it apples to apples and say, hey, John, you could absolutely go to that other company, right? But here's what you get with us. And you explain the value, and the real value is, and we all know this, Many times the cheaper you go, the more it costs you because on the back end it's not right and we can't get a hold of a human being and they won't stand behind it and the peace of mind. I love it, John. Hey, uh, we're almost out of time. I really appreciate you being a guest and expert opinion. Any final thoughts or insights to share with our listeners? No, I think you asked all the right questions and uh, I know you you do this and live by this and uh, I probably could have interviewed you and, and got... You know, just as good, if not better, are the answers because uh, this is who you are and your company is. Ah, thank you, John. I appreciate it. Look forward to continuing the conversation. Hey, I know you got a lot of resources on your website. Can you give people that address? Uh, certainly. It is uh, thedjuliusgroup.com. The, the, T-H-E, D-Julius, D-I-J-U-L-I-U-S, group, G-R-O-U-P, dot com. You can sign up for weekly e-services that come out, get my new book, The Customer Service Revolution, anything that's there. It can help you in what we discuss. Perfect. Hey, uh, thank you so much, John. Uh, that concludes our show for today. This is Ryan Rikus, and you've been listening to another edition of Expert Opinion, a brand new business forum where thought leaders share their point of view. If you'd like to listen to past shows or read our blog series, visit brandybusiness.com. And to our next show, grow your business by living your brand promise.